0: Happy Sunday, everyone. So glad you're joining us today. We're closing out our series on Back to Basics. We've been using the Science of Mind textbook by Reverend Dr. Ernest Holmes, the founder of the Science of Mind. Although I know other people love the book, it's an entirety. I swear you could just read the first four chapters in this book and you would have the basics. So what we've covered so far this month, in the first week we talked about God We're in complete alignment with most of the world's religions. We believe that God is all-powerful, all-wise, everywhere present. But we also throw in just a little bit of a ringer. Because God is everywhere, we postulate that must mean that God is everything. And so every person, every place, everything, every situation, every idea, it's all God. Not just that God is everywhere, but God is everything. And so that's where we differ a little bit from some of the other mainstream religions. Week two, we expanded on the idea of God being everywhere present and everything, to make sure that we included ourselves. It is God's good pleasure to work through us. Every day, whether we realize it or not, we're acting on behalf of God, because we're part of God. By By definition, the things that we do, the things that we think, are God acting out in the world. And I, on purpose, use that phrase, acting out, (laughs) because it also has that connotation that it doesn't always work well, right? (laughs) When we see children acting out, it's through their own ignorance, it's through their their own uh, unsureness of how the world works that we can make terrible mistakes through using that same power that we might use on behalf of God to do wonderful things in the world. So it's that, that double-edged sword. God gives us free will, and, and then we use it. Uh, last week, Reverend Marilyn talked about the divine creative process. For those of you who are here, you know that she stressed the idea that our thoughts become things. That is the color of our thinking, it is our intentions, it is our, our creativity in our own minds that create our experience of the world. Literally. So if we tend to be on the positive side of life, if we tend to uphold the joy and love and peace and, uh, and all of the, the good stuff in life, if that's what's going on in our mind, that will more typically be our experience of the world. And conversely, and I've seen a lot of this going around in the last year and a half, if we tend to be complaining about life, if we tend to be rejecting what's going on, if we tend to see the glass as half empty, that will also tend to be our experience of the world. And so our thoughts become things. Well, today I'm tasked with the idea of explaining more about how this works. And I want to share with you uh, part of my own spiritual practice. And I think it's one of the most practical ways to use this law that we learned about last week. Now, I know in Science of Mind, in many of our classes, we learn about meditation, we learned about doing affirmative prayer or spiritual mind treatment. We learn about a variety of uh, contemplations and techniques for getting in touch with our higher power. But the basics of all of them are what Ernest Holmes called building a mental equivalent. All of these various techniques, whether it's saying affirmations or prayer or whatever, that the basis of all of them is developing a strong mental equivalent. If our thoughts become things, then how do we create a set of thoughts, an environment of thinking that will tend to produce what we want in our experience of the world? And I'll fall back on Ernest Holmes, who describes it in the, The Science of Mind textbook here. He says... The whole teaching of Jesus is based on the theory that we are surrounded by an intelligent law which does unto each of us as we believe. He implied the necessity of faith, conviction, and acceptance of our thoughts. We must not only believe, we must know that our belief measures the extent and the degree of our desired blessing. If our belief is limited, then only a little will come to us, because that is as we believe. We call this the law of mental equivalence. How much life can anyone experience? As much as we can accept and embody. So play along with me today. I wanna do something I think fairly simple and enjoyable that will give you uh, one of the techniques that I use every day for building a mental equivalent. So close your eyes if you're game and just sit comfortably in your chair. I'm gonna ask you to use your memory and your imagination here for a minute. If you can, think of a time when you felt really successful Just look back in your memory. It it could be just yesterday. It could be back in childhood. Doesn't really matter. Think of a time though when you felt just super successful. Maybe you completed some kind of a work assignment with such perfection and clarity that you just felt so good, so successful about yourself. Maybe it's a a special event like a wedding day or a, a day when you captured the heart of someone that you love and treasure might be about love. It might be about career. Just picture in your mind, if you can, and even call forth in your mind's eye what was going on that day. How did it play out? What were you wearing? What, what was the weather like? Can you picture in your mind that, that exact day when you felt so very successful? And now just notice in your body and in your emotions how you're feeling. What does that feeling of success actually feel like? Is it a warmth? Is it a sense of confidence? Just notice the feelings that come up when you think of that very successful day or event. Does it make you feel proud? Do you feel accomplished? Is there a warmth in your heart or your head? Just notice the little feelings in your body and in your emotional body. And now what I'd like you to do is come back into the present moment, still keep your eyes closed, and think of an area in your life where you'd like to feel more accomplishment, where you'd like to feel more success. Maybe there's a relationship that you'd like to see some improvement on. Maybe there's a job where you'd like to see some progress or, or a project that you're working on that seems to have stalled out. Just picture in your mind, it could be about a relationship. It could be about something that you're working on a project or at work. Might be success around your home in some activity that you're doing. And what I'd like you to do is visualize yourself as being completely successful in this other endeavor. So the relationship is now completely healed or the activity has been completed completely successfully. Maybe you got that promotion that you're hoping for. Maybe the next level of intimacy in your primary relationship has been achieved. As best you can Put yourself in that place of success. It is done unto you as you believe. That is the teaching of Jesus, one of the master teachers. And so put yourself into that successful moment in the future, and see if you can bring up that same feeling that you felt a minute ago, that feeling of accomplishment, that feeling of success that sense of self-confidence, perhaps, or achievement. And know with me that this future event, this future success is granted to you. It is God's good pleasure to give you what you can accept and embody. And right now, in this mental equivalent, you are accepting it and you are embodying it. Okay, you can open your eyes again. Thank you for playing along with me. So this is the key, if you will. This is a very practical and simple way That whenever you want to see yourself being successful at something, and that's really, that's really what God works on. When we can see ourselves as accomplishing something, really accept it in our heart, that is what activates our prayers. That's what activates what Marilyn, uh, Reverend Marilyn was talking about last week. It is this mental equivalent and our ability to accept it and see ourselves in it. That's what powers that law of cause effect. When Reverend Marilyn talked about the divine creative process, this, this is how we use it. Now you can use the same basic underlying mental equivalent in doing affirmations. What is an affirmation after all, but just a claiming of something that you want to achieve? So you might have an affirmation. I I know that my employment opportunities are wonderful and that a job interview is coming my way right? You can make an affirmation. The, the key there, again, wants us to have that sense of, yes, I'm going to achieve this. I am going to be successful at that. So it's the combination of both the words, the mental picture, and then in your heart, knowing that you are for it, that that is for you. It's always the combination of the thought and the emotion that create the outcome that you desire. Now, when I teach this um, in more depth in, say, the Foundations class or something, people will invariably come to me and will say something like, well, you know, um, I haven't had as much good luck with uh, affirmations <laughs> as, uh, as perhaps you're portraying here. Um, you know, I got to tell you, Larry, when I was out of work, I had an affirmation on the mirror every morning and was pretty religious about doing my affirmation, and a year later, I was still looking for work. So tell tell me a little bit more about why this seems to work for some people and not for other people. I want to clear that up right away. The spiritual laws work equally for everyone, but I will tell you there are some things that can put off your good. And, generally, they're right in our own thinking patterns. Generally, they're right in our own emotional beliefs. And so let's talk for a minute, just a minute, about some of the fallibility issues here. Why sometimes building a mental equivalent doesn't work. There's one circulating right now in the consciousness of America that is pretty deep. And that is the non-acceptance of our current reality. We are basically a people of saying no right now. And if we're constantly saying no, it's pretty hard for the yeses to get back in. Now, many of us are imagining that our lives were so much better, so much freer, so much more wonderful, say two years ago. And then this thing called the pandemic hit, right? And suddenly we're forced with doing all the kinds of things we don't want to do. We, we're not able to see some of the people we love as often. We're, we're handicapped by having to wear masks in a lot of social situations. We, we know loved ones who have gotten ill, some who have even passed away, right? Suddenly the world is so full of no's. No, I don't want to do that. No, I can't get on the airplane to come and visit you. No, I don't feel safe about going on an in-person job interview so how am I gonna get this darn job it seems like everywhere we turn we're coming up against life and either saying no or saying not now and what we have done is really in many ways walled us off from our good it's hard for god to say yes (laughs) when we're saying no i i know i'm making this overly simplistic but in some ways it could be thought of as that simple the good life is still here for everyone if we look for it and i want to use an example something that happened to me when i was seven years old So my very best friend in the world, Murph, and I know his name isn't Murph anymore, but when I was seven, that was what his family called him. My best friend Murph lived next door to us, but but the situation of our two houses, there was an immense 50-foot laurel hedge in between the two houses. And so when my friend Murph and I wanted to get together, we literally had to walk almost all the way around the block. And we were used to that and didn't even really think about it. it. It represented uh, sometimes a little bit of a burden because I couldn't see if he was out in his yard to play. There were some issues about it, one of which was I wasn't supposed to cross the street, (laughs) I think, was involved a little bit. And so to sneak over in his yard was something that my mom didn't really approve of. Well, anyway... That was just the way we viewed our world though, right? This was how our friendship was, was navigating around so that we could play with each other. One day, my mom and Murph's mom got out the hedge trimming equipment, and suddenly there was, and I swear at seven, there was a magic portal (laughs) between our two houses. I'd like to suggest to you that there is a magic portal right now into the good life, into everything that you're missing, into everything that you would like to explore and like to love. But over the last couple years, you've been trained, well, I gotta go around the block. I gotta deal with all this stuff. I have to accept a burden of the world right now, and it's preventing me from being playful, it's preventing me from exploring more love, it's preventing me from my success, it's preventing me from seeing the people I love and so forth. And what I'm telling you is you are right next door to those things all along. It just requires us to find a new way of getting there. That way is the mental equivalent. And I'm really encouraging everyone who hasn't signed up for the Connection Circle series, this coming up in February, we're gonna be using a book called The Thing That's In The Way Is The Way. And the thesis of the book is that we are so used to the particular form of getting what we want, that when we can't have that anymore, we just feel lost, we feel disconsolate, we feel disconnected from life. I can't do what I want to do exactly in that same form anymore, and so I'm despondent. My life is at an end. I'm feeling lost and untethered. And the idea of the book, and what I would like to suggest is true even today, before we move into next month, is that the goodness of life has not gone away. It is only our ability to access it that is called into question here. We may not be able to find the joy that we desire, the love that we desire, the success that we desire using the exact old patterns that were handy to us. It's time to get out the hedge clippers. It's time to find a new way. The goodness is still on the other side of that fence. You do not have to worry about somehow the universe drying up. There's still infinite love, still infinite life, still infinite health. All of the things that we might desire to have more success in in our life, you name it, it is there because this is an infinite universe. The only thing that is lacking is our own imagination, our own ability to build a mental equivalent of what we would like. And it starts by starting to say yes to things, even the things that we don't like, to acknowledge that they're just part of what living is. Yes, we will be wearing masks when we're together. Um, yes, we do need to do things differently. Yes, our favorite restaurant closed up during the pandemic. Yes, I, I'm i mostly gonna be able to see my grandkids for a while uh, using some kind of electronic technology. Yes, I I agree that all of these things for now are necessary, and I'm going to find a way of making my life even more powerful, even more loving, even more joyous, because I know it's there. See, that's what we've, I think, fooled ourselves into thinking, is that because it's not easy anymore, or because it's not the way it used to be, that it doesn't exist, (laughs) It still exists. The love that you desire is there. The the success that you desire is there. The ability to be with the people you love, doing the things you love is still there. The access is just a little different. The form must be sorted out. It's a call for our creativity. It's a call for our ability to be curious about life. So, So my favorite restaurant is closed up. They, they literally went bankrupt during the pandemic. So what's my new favorite restaurant? Maybe it's time for me to stop saying, no, no, I don't, I don't want to deal with this. And instead say, wait a minute, wait a minute. There are an infinite number of ways to, to find love, to find joy, to find peace, to find all the good stuff. Am I really so limited that I was stuck into thinking if I have to wear a mask, you know, the no fun sign comes out? I think, I think each one of us has the level of creativity in them to find your true heart's desire. So let me review, just a moment, this idea of a mental equivalent, because I think it's important. First of all, there has to be a clarity of what you actually desire, not the retreat from what you don't want to experience. Right? That's the no. We want to focus on the yes. What do you want to say yes to? What does success feel like, look like, sense like to you? Is it success and love? Is it a greater degree in a, of uh, intimacy? Is it a better job? Is it more health? Is it, a, is it feeling better? First of all, some clarity around what it is that you desire. And then that level of acceptance that we talked about. That's the thing that so often keeps us from experiencing what we want. Can I really accept it? Do I see myself in it? Can I picture myself having it? It is done to us as we believe. i got to believe it. I have to feel it. I have to be able to see myself as achieving it. And then finally, of course, believing in the power of God, having that that initial faith that God does respond to each of us. Those are the only three steps in success here. And they're pretty simple. Clarity of what is desired, the ability to accept it and see it in your own life, and from that emotional place of, oh my gosh, it is mine, I have it, I feel it, it is my experience. And then just knowing that you can turn it over to the one power that knows how and when and, and can put together all of the pieces, you don't even need to know how it's going to come to you, because we're going to turn that over to Spirit, that all-powerful, all-wise, all-seeing, everywhere-present God. Well, i want to close today uh, with a bit of homework and a reading. So your homework is to work on a new mental equivalent. It might be the one that you pictured in our little bit of a meditation there. But pick something in your life where you'd like to see some positive momentum. So it might be um, some progress at work. It might be some progress in your health. It might be some progress in something going on in some other area of your life and see if you can build a mental equivalent. Now you can do it the way that we did it, through a visualization or a contemplation technique. Um, You could do it through journaling. Simply write out exactly what it is that you would uh, like to achieve. I've had some good luck with that. Doing storyboards is fun. You can cut out pictures and make a collage of your your future and, and how it's to look out in this way of being successful. A variety of ways of building up that mental Equivalent, but that's your homework for this week. And I would even recommend if you're going the journaling route or if you're going the contemplation route of picturing it in your head, I would recommend doing it for five minutes every day. Just write about it for five minutes every morning, contemplate it for five or ten minutes every day. You will be shocked at how quickly. This desired future can come to you when you have built a mental equivalent. All right, I'm going to close with a prayer actually. So, the very first sample prayer that Ernest Holmes has is in this particular chapter on how to use it. And I'm just going to read you this lovely prayer from Ernest Holmes. He says, I am a center in the divine mind, a point of God conscious life, truth, and action. My affairs are divinely guided and guarded into right action and into correct results. Everything I do, say, or think is stimulated by the truth. There is a power in this word that I speak because it is of the truth and it is my truth." Right action alone has the power and right action is the power and God is the power the Living Spirit Almighty in this prayer This spirit animates everything that I do say or think Ideas come to me daily and these ideas are also divine. They direct and sustain me without effort. I am continuously directed All suggestion of age or poverty or limitation or unhappiness, it's simply uprooted from my mind right now and cannot gain entrance into my thought. I am happy, well, filled with perfect life. And I live in the spirit of truth and am conscious of that spirit of truth living within me. My word is the law. There is no unbelief, no doubt, no uncertainty. I know, and I know that I know. Every thought of doubt vanishes from my mind that I live in the truth, and that the truth shall set me free. Thank you for being here today. So glad that you joined us. Thank you so much. Now is our time of conscious contribution. If you'd like to take your gift or your tithe, you can place it over your heart. Those of you online, uh, feel free to go to our website at cslportland.org. There's a donate button at the bottom of every page. If you'd like, you can repeat after me graciously I give, graciously I give. From, a place of love. from a place of love, knowing that as I give, that I give. so do I richly receive. Would the uh, ushers please begin receiving the gifts? We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, You are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.